0: All right, this is Gary Parrish again from CBS Sports. It's now, let me look at the calendar. Wednesday, November 25th. I really lost track of days. Come on, man. It's the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is, is the day, like day one before Thanksgiving. Yeah. But year. see, day, the, the day before Thanksgiving is a little tricky, though, because, like, the day before Christmas is December 24th every year. You know, the day before New Year's is December 31st every year. day before Thanksgiving, that could be anything. It could be November 25th. It could be November 23rd.
1: I guess so, man. I just—it's—it's it's such an awesome week. I—I'm just surprised. you know what? It's—it's—it's it's, it's been a busy week, so you probably lost track of of all the things that are going on. No, so.
0: I do. I uh, I I I do like this week. Do you? You guys, I know you don't, Sam. Matt, do you live around family? Like, do you have? Do you guys have real Thanksgivings? Like, see, my family and and my wife's family, like, they all live here, so we like have massive Thanksgiving deals.
1: Oh yeah, no, uh, we do. My both are, are my parents and my wife's parents are within an hour but this year we're actually under our own accord we this will be the first time it's just it, we're doing our own family thing at home how about that and just uh nice. yeah, me wife me wife and the kid and watch some football and uh watch some basketball and all that stuff and uh I actually I, I got to go shopping later today cuz I am a pescatarian so no turkey for me and I know tur- no turkey for GP either I, I think he actually believes in in taco Thanksgivings, but I got to go pick up a nice piece of swordfish or something later and and cook it for tomorrow. I
0: believe so. in fillets for Thanksgiving. I just I have I've uh, have a fundamental belief and I, I gather that more and more people are catching on to this that okay, first off, turkey is fine. But that's what it is. It's fine. And the idea that we built an entire holiday around eating turkey <laughs> this is the fourth
1: straight year crazy. on the podcast. Like I'll listen, They're I'm going to keep this I'm going to
0: keep banging this drum until everybody understands. Like you when you go to a, a nice restaurant, people might order steak They might order fish. They might even order chicken. Nobody orders turkey. You like, there ain't a turkey bell. There's a Taco Bell. You know why? Because people like, like, love tacos. There's Kentucky Fried Chicken. You want to know why? People love chicken. You ever heard of a Kentucky Fried Turkey? No. Why not? Because there's no demand for that. So why do you want to sit around on this beautiful holiday and eat something that is quite, quite clearly uh, uh, an inferior food all day long? I'm so anti-turkey. I'll deal with, say, I can, I can mess around with ham, but I can't get involved with turkey. I'll be eating steak tomorrow. And I've yeah, also, I mean, also I've also reached the point where we're old enough now. I'm old enough now where I can make uh, my home, the home. Like when I was a kid, we'd go to my grandmother's for Thanksgiving. Right. And then in my uh, young adult years, we'd go to my father's or my mother's or whatever. And, uh, but now it's like, okay, we're going to do it at, at my house. And that's like the best because you, you, there's something really great about not having to leave your house. I'm really looking forward to not leaving my house. <laughs> Sam, where are you at on turkey? You, are you on my anti-turkey campaign? Uh,
2: I mean, I will have turkey tomorrow. I will say that. Um, You'll only have the,
0: it because you think you're supposed to. There's no other scenario where you would eat turkey tomorrow. If I laid out a steak, a filet, okay, I said, okay, hey, Sam, it was like one of those uh, deals where you go and it's like a fixed menu, but you get to pick what you're getting. So you say, yeah. you say, okay, you can have chicken or you can have steak or you can have pizza rolls or you can have turkey. What would you pick? Yeah,
2: no, I mean I would go with the steak obviously. But yeah, why wouldn't you go with the steak tomorrow? Yeah, I mean it's yeah, like you said it's tradition and I'm totally okay with the tradition being uh what it is as far as turkey because you never have turkey throughout the rest of the year and it's okay for me to get a change. Uh so yeah, I think that I think it's okay. I mean, can it's we right. just
1: get a can we just get a quick uh input on on our favorite sides cuz the best thing about Thanksgiving is real. It's
2: stuffing. It's not close to me.
1: Uh, so, and by the way, you call it stuffing, not dressing. We, yes, call, we, we call it dressing. Yeah, I call yeah. it dressing too. I like, uh,
0: you know what I like? I like a deviled egg.
1: A deviled egg, really? I, I will eat a deviled egg. You won't I'll eat a deviled eat a egg? Deviled no, egg. I know you'll eat 40 deviled eggs. I, I, know, I, I love just, deviled I, eggs. That That's your number one Thanksgiving side right there. Well,
0: like, uh, give me some more options. You know what I hate? Cranberry sauce.
1: What is uh. that? Well, well, that's the thing is, if you only go the cranberry sauce in the jar, then you're missing out because legit cranberry sauce might change your life. I got to be honest Dude, with that,
0: man. Cranberry sauce—that stuff, look—you ever touched it? Have you ever touched it with your hands? I
1: mean, it's slimy. Are you talking
0: about like? The, the, <laughs> are you talking about the canned stuff? No, or? I'm talking about like, uh, like cranberry sauce. Like, maybe we're talking about two different things.
1: No, no, there are two different kinds of cranberry sauce. There's the stuff yeah. that comes in the can. Yeah, I mean, and then there's like genuine homemade cranberry sauce. Is that you is
0: that, that cranberry like? Could you throw it? Is like is the cranberry sauce I'm talking about? I'm talking about something you could you could pick it up like a little frisbee and maybe throw it. Yeah, that's the jar. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's what I get down with. But I, I, but I like can't even touch that stuff. It looks it's no, like no, so no.
1: slimy. No, 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 you know what the you know what the sneaky good side for Thanksgiving that I, I feel just it's such an obvious American side, but it hasn't picked up a lot of traction. Get some baked mac and cheese in there. I'm that, down with
0: that. that. I can get that's down a good with one, yeah. I can get down with baked mac and cheese. Mashed potatoes. Like I'm fine with potatoes.
1: That yeah. a, that sweet potatoes, little marshmallows on top. That's what that's what makes Thanksgiving so good is yeah, you got that whatever, you got the main source of protein, the turkey or the ham or whatever, but it's the fifteen sides that you can't possibly finish. That's why.
0: And then what about dessert? Let's wrap this up Thanksgiving conversation
1: up with uh, dessert. Oh my god. Listen, my mother's pumpkin pie I, my mom came by like three nights ago because she knew we weren't coming over this year. Made me a pumpkin pie. I have not, I have not got into it yet because tomorrow I'm gonna eat half this thing, and it's massive. It's like 14 inches in diameter. Have you ever pumpkin pie with cool whip? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Pumpkin pie haters can take a walk. Okay. No, no
0: pumpkin pie. Like, listen, I I think it's a little over the top how much white people love pumpkin spice everything. Like, you know, (laughs) like, like white people. Like, if you, if you, like, you pumpkin spice. I don't think
1: that's just a white person. Oh, it
0: is definitely just a white people thing. It's a mostly white people thing. White okay. people love pumpkin spice. Like you, if you, if you, like if tomorrow, if Chick Fil A started making a pumpkin spice chicken sandwich, white people be like, "I gotta try that." Like I, ooh, I like white people. White people love getting excited about pumpkin spice and sushi. Those are the two things in the world: sushi and pumpkin spice. White people get irrationally excited for those things.
1: Okay, so what's your desserts?
0: Uh, I like pumpkin pie, so, and that was my point. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of the pumpkin spice <laughs> stuff is kind of <laughs> like over-the-top ridiculous, but like pumpkin pie is legit.
1: That's been around yeah, for decades, I,
2: man. I, I'm also a very simple person, and I like my pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving.
1: There we go.
0: Yeah, okay. That, um, have you ever actually tried to make your own pumpkin pie? Yeah. It's impossible. I Oh, dude. There. Dude. It's not that bad. Man, Kelly and I one time. We went out and bought, like, she wanted to make our own. We were young. This is back when we were young and dumb. We were trying all sorts of things we shouldn't have been trying. And uh, among them was the pumpkin pie. And I said, she said, well, you know, we should make our own pumpkin pies. And I said, well, uh. By we, I hope you mean you. Like you should do it while I watch football or something. And she was like, "Yeah, sure." And I said, "Okay, cool. Let's go to the grocery store. We'll get all the ingredients." So you 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 know you look up a recipe and you get all the ingredients. First off, mm-hmm. it cost you eighty dollars to get all the ingredients, right? So it's just yeah, I feel ridiculous.
1: Like a, that you're shooting it a little high there, but okay. It, it
0: felt like eighty dollars. You know, rounded up to the nearest eighty, it was eighty. So. Um okay. we end up with, like spending crazy amounts of money like we wa- we walked past actual pumpkin pies, like already made for like 12 bucks to spend 80 bucks so we could come home and I just remember those things coming out of the oven and they looked deformed they looked like deformed pumpkin pies, and they were terrible and i I swore on my son's life, both my son's lives that day we'll never try this again from now on, we will have people make us pumpkin pies or we will buy them from the store, but we're not going to try to do that in our home anymore.
1: That, that's an amazing story, Paris. You know, before we rec- <laughs> let's bring the listeners in here. Before we started recording this podcast, we were like, all right, listen, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Let's just, let's just bang out a quick 30-minute podcast. And Paris is like, yeah, you know what? That's right. There's no reason why we can't do this. And then
0: here we and, are. I'm talking about pumpkin pie.
1: That's how we Plus get to minute mark. For for but people people I love who it. who
0: don't know, it's 11.15 it's, uh, Eastern right now when we're recording this. So we've got Gonzaga, Washington tipping off in 45 minutes. So, like, yeah. we, ha- we have to wrap this up. We
2: also have, like, a conference call probably in 45 oh, minutes, God, too.
0: Oh, the conference call, too. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so. Okay, here's, what I, wanna, here's what I want to start okay. with. Open up, open up. Sam, it's been a rough few days for you. You're an Ohio State graduate.
2: Oh, God. You really?
0: You can't? You have to start here. I don't. I, I, it seemed like a natural place to start uh, once we got oh, the pumpkin pie discussion out of the way.
2: God, um, you buttered me up with that just to take me here. Come on.
0: (laughs) I've been doing that my whole life to people. So here's what I would say. You spend your Saturday watching your uh, football team, the reigning national champions, um, not give the ball to one of the best running backs in the country and lose, at which point I saw you on Twitter announce to the world Urban Meyer got outcoached and then basically acknowledge you're you're off Twitter for the night because you're going to go drink yourself into a stupor. Meantime, the night before... Your Ohio State basketball team had lost at home to UT Arlington, which sounded ridiculous and still does, even after UT Arlington also went into Memphis and won. I think this says more about Ohio State and Memphis than it does UT Arlington, but whatever. And then last night, Tuesday night, Ohio State loses at home to Louisiana Tech, and that's not even Michael White's Bulldogs. That's it's a b- lot
2: of his team, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. What? Like, it's just, they're not good, right? I mean, that's just, um, that's the, the, I mean, and you look at the roster, you don't expect yeah, them I to mean, lose to Arlington and, and La Tech, but you look at the roster and you don't expect them to be very good. The only reason I think any of us thought maybe they'd be okay is because they're always okay with that, but like, they're just not very good, right?
2: Yeah. That's just an outrageously good coach. Um, the thing is they're playing two freshmen and two sophomores in the starting lineup and bringing two freshmen and two sophomores off the bench. Um, there's a lot of youth there. There's no one that's really stepped up uh, from what I've heard as a leader, and there's also no one there that can be a like lead scorer as well. Like you can't really Mark Loving's more of a guy that I've always liked as a floor spacer. Um, Jayshawn Tate's like a guy who's a garbage guy who you can trust to crash the boards at six foot four, but you don't really want him, you know, creating offense. And uh, I think Jaquan Lyle was a guy that a lot of people got really excited about after the whole D'Angelo Russell thing last year. But Jaquan Lyles also quite clearly not D'Angelo Russell, and that's fine. But uh, whenever you're looking for a guy who can be your lead scorer, that's uh, not going to be a great thing uh, to have around. So it's not it's not great right now. Um, Austin Grandstaff and Daniel Giddens look okay uh, as freshmen, but that's that's about the that's that's the top end of the spectrum right now as far as excitement I'm not not real in on this right now I'm not gonna be real pleased with the season uh their out of conference schedule gets wild now they have like Virginia Kentucky Memphis um they they have someone else pretty good too um Connecticut I think it is it's it's not gonna go well for them over the course of the next month and a half and uh it's yeah, I mean, maybe they'll get battle tested and grow through this, kind of like how UCLA did last year. But uh, I sincerely doubt that this is going to be a team that makes an NCAA tournament run it, right now. It,
0: it reminds me a little bit that that and and you know, unless you're Duke or Kentucky, really, maybe even North Carolina, it's tough to lose one and done guys. Like it said, at some point mm-hmm. it catches up to you. But it's especially <clears throat> tough to lose one and done guys that you don't think you're going to lose when you sign yeah. him. You know, like it's yeah. what, like when you lose Okafor, like you were always losing Okafor. When you lose Carl Anthony Towns, you were always losing Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I, I know that Thad and that staff recognized when they got D'Angelo on campus what they had and that he was better than they anticipated and better than people realized. And, I, and they knew mm-hmm. early on, okay, yeah, we ain't keeping him for a sophomore year. But when they signed him and started recruiting the class of 2015 – they didn't think they were going to have to be replacing D'Angelo Russell. And that seems to like, that's an issue, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. I I mean, like I said, honestly, they did pretty good in replacing him and getting Jaquan Lyle, who was like a top 50 ish kid. Like he's kind of an older kid too. So you'd think he'd be able to step in reasonably early and play. And he, you know, he's starting, he's not really a point guard though. He's kind of like D'Angelo Russell in that he's, uh, more of like a really, really good ball handler that's probably better off next to another point guard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I-, I think they did reasonably well in replacing him, but you're right. It's uh, it- it's a situation where if you don't expect to lose D'Angelo Russell and you lose him, where are you? I-, I would also note that Ohio State's been really good at replacing one-and-dones sure. over the last like eight years. Uh, if anyone's proven that they can do it, uh, it- it's not only... I would say, Coach K and uh, John Calipari, but Maud has been pretty close to being able to show that he's been able to do it. I mean, even guys like Costa Cufas, who went after one year, um, I'm trying to think of a few others. There have been a few others. Uh, he, they have more one-and-dones, I think, than anyone but Kentucky and Duke over the last decade. So uh, it's just going to be a down year, and that, that happens, that's fine, um, and we'll see where it goes from here.
0: Elsewhere in the Big Ten, Norlander, the Indiana Hoosiers took their first loss of the season. It was uh, a bad loss. It was to Wake Forest out in Maui. Uh, Tom Crean, the next day, which was yesterday, benched three starters, including Troy Williams. His mother went to Facebook, started cussing about Tom Crean, mm. used the F word. She deleted it, of course. I give her credit, though, for not claiming to have been hacked. That's, that's usually people's go-to move. She did. She just apologized. She
1: can't really? Yeah, the Facebook hacking, that just, you know. Yeah, you, you you can't claim that. That's, that's.
0: I will tell you, there was one time I wasn't hacked, but we were hosting a wedding shower for some people at my home, uh, for like one of my cousins. You know, everybody has those cousins that you like, you barely know. Uh, like, I, I have a bunch of those, and uh, but but we were like, sure, you can host the uh, uh, wedding shower at our home. It's fine, and I had my desktop computer open. And, um, Facebook wasn't called up, but like somebody jumped on my, on my computer to look at their Facebook page for whatever reason. And my face, I was logged in and they updated my Facebook status. This is what it said. Uh, it said uh, this." and you got to understand this is when Memphis football was terrible, like under Larry Porter, like losing games by 40. And it was like, I have a, this was like getting ready for football season. It was like, I have a prediction. This is going to surprise people, but Memphis is going to win you know, I guess it was Conference USA, Conference USA this year in football, you can book it. And 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 I start getting all these like, replies and like, whatever. And I'm like, dude, you can't like and I come home and it was like, um, so, some like, friend of one of my cousins that thought it would be hilarious that Gary Parish would be uh predicting Memphis to win a football. And I was like, that's not hilarious. That's the type of thing that like, people will talk about and, and use against <laughs> me like that's not funny right so i i, I don't know it's funny <laughs> I, yeah no he thought it was the funniest thing ever and i was like that's not funny like that like first off i'm not 20 like you so that's not <laughs> we probably don't think the same things are funny but like that's like you know like people will like put that on a that'll end up on a message board somewhere i think it did end up on a message board somewhere i had to not yeah and so um yeah, so I don't know if that's hacked, but you could have claimed somebody else jumped on my Facebook page. Sure, was Troy Bizmas, right? She didn't though. She apologized on Twitter, but um, and then Indiana, of course, struggled to put away St. John's, and honestly, nobody struggled to put away St. John so far this year except Indiana. Um, it's not a great start to the season, is it, Norlander?
1: It's not. So we have an interesting game for anyone that gets this podcast before Indiana UNLV. You know, just it's it's one to watch because you've got a UNLV team that isn't necessarily setting itself up for an NCAA tournament run, but getting a win over Indiana, which I think it is capable of doing. Capable. I'm not saying that will happen. I don't think it will happen, but I would not be shocked, especially after the way that Indiana followed up its loss to Wake with St. John's. This wasn't, you know, Indiana didn't, they scored 83 points yet, but anyone that watched that game, you saw that it was, you know, I wouldn't say it was a casual win, but it wasn't an inspiring win by any means. Defensively, it is startling um, how Indiana has not progressed from a season ago so far. The numbers say they've gotten better, but they've also haven't played relatively easy teams to this point. Um, no, so they I would, haven't
2: I, gotten better. <laughs> so,
1: right. Um, so I, I would think that, you know, UNLV will not necessarily make that necessarily any easier for them um look like taking on losses to wake forest which will not even approach 500 in the acc this season this is why indiana fans i don't know that i agree with that by the way but okay uh okay well we can we can i will will say like danny danny's doing a good job at Wake. he's doing a good job Wake Forest is not gonna be 500 in the acc though
0: i will say that's a bottom half acc team like i mean in a bottom half
1: indicate that it's below 500 so uh, um
2: I think they're going to be closer to 500. Like, they are they might be, like, an 8-10 and 10 team. Like, a good... Like, a near-the-middle-of-the-pack team, I would say, more than, like, a bottom-third team.
0: Okay. Either way, we can all agree on this. Indiana's not supposed to be losing early-season games they they to on a neutral court. And course. so now, <laughs> well, like, you
1: got to beat ULV, get a home game against Alcorn State, which they'll win. I can guarantee that. But then they get at Duke, December 2nd. I thought, in the, in the, you know, before we got to the season, that could be a game Indiana could steal, maybe... Uh, even though Duke hasn't been outstanding, I'm not seeing how that's going to happen. And that is Indiana's last significant game. That uh, Well, aside from the um, uh, Crossroads Classic, they get Notre Dame, but uh, that's a neutral court game. Indiana's road game at Duke for the ACC Big Ten Challenge will be pretty, pretty big overall. We'll see. I mean, listen, if they lose to UNLV, you know, we'll probably have to address that on the next podcast because that would kind of be a disaster for Corrine. Uh Even though it's only two losses, you know, and it would be a, what, a four and two start, you're not giving yourself any sort of favors outside of league play. And what ultimately can happen is it can compound itself where if you do well in the big 10, that's fine. But you know, this could ultimately end up meaning that instead of, Getting a four seed and coming close to your potential, you end up closer to an eight seed. And what does that mean? Well, mm-hmm. then you get a number one seed in the second game. And what does that mean? Well, you probably lose it and you don't get to the second weekend. And then in the end, the end the go nuts. So that's uh, a really exaggerated timeline. But I'm telling you, can't if they lose UNLV, they probably won't beat Duke. See what happens against Notre Dame. And they do, you know, finish top four, top five in the Big Ten. Something like that could happen. I will remind everyone: this is a team that. Um, Sam said would win, win the Big 10 if not finish second. So, hasn't looked like yeah, that so I think far.
2: The second best team in the
1: Big 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we'll And uh, I don't I don't
0: think they can't be. I mean, they got to figure yeah, out no, the stuff on the defensive end, but offensively like they're good. Like they, you know, they, I think they're going to they've got a they've got a, a an experienced playmaker in Yogi. I really li- I like Thomas Bryant at least on the offensive end. Yeah. Um you know, I, I I like that team. I, I mean, they just got a guard, and of course, Indiana fans were just you know uh, popping at me on Twitter about, oh, do we still feel sorry for Tom? Cres-? Like, I get it, right? He lost a game. You're gonna. Yes. <laughs> but here's here, here's the thing, and and it actually underlines my point. It doesn't disprove my point that I made in the story last week. It actually underlines it. We've seen uh, Josh Passner take a bad loss so far this year. We've seen Thad Mata take two. We've seen North Carolina lose at Northern Iowa. Like, we've seen um, Wichita There's State leave on. at Tulsa. Like, there have been upsets in in this season already. Do you know another coach who, who had a player's mom cuss him out on Facebook?
1: Right.
0: That, 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 we- that, that is unique to Tom Crean. For whatever reason, like, for whatever reason, it, that only happened to him. And so, it sort of underlines my point. Not that this guy, oh, God, he can't. he should be above criticism. But, like, the criticism, like, seems to go to levels that other coaches simply don't deal with. Like, yeah, like yeah. one of your players' moms cussing you out on Twitter. Yeah, I agree with that. I
2: agree with that. Right. I, with that. Uh, I mean, it's hasn't been a great start to Tom Crean's <laughs> hot seat year. Uh, <laughs> and the thing with me is that the more I watch this team, the more I wonder, like, how fatally flawed it is. Just from if he's going to play man to man, they're going to get killed on defense. Just because I, uh, I don't think that. James Blackman is a good defender by any means. Uh, Thomas Bryant is not capable of defending the pick and roll in college basketball right now. He's going to get burnt by pretty much every Big Ten guard. Um, and if that's going to be the case, uh, they're just going to have to play zone, I think. Uh, and, you know, Thomas Bryant's been pretty good around the rim. He's pretty good at contesting shots because uh, he has like a seven five wingspan. That's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, like I don't understand their reluctance to go to that. They did for a little bit yesterday and it looked pretty ugly. I'm not going to lie to you, but I think that they should probably go to that more often, practice it a little bit more often over the holidays and uh, really get into that because that's where they can be at least passable defensively. Uh, You know, maybe the fact that there's a shorter uh, shot clock, uh, it might take teams uh might make teams struggle a little bit more to get efficient shots. So uh yeah, I, that's what I would do, but it, it it's this is a roster that's pretty flawed right now.
0: For whatever that's... reason, coaches who are man-to-man coaches are forever hesitant to like just say they are. to say we we can't guard this way, so we got to do something else. Uh, the obvious most recent big example like Mike Krzyzewski last year, yeah, right? He just said, right. he said, all right, this, we, we ain't going to get this fixed, this man-to-man. Yeah. So, like, let's do something else. And it worked. They won a national championship. I will tell you, when I was in Bloomington a few weeks back, um, I, I was at two practices. And, mm-hmm. like, they it was almost exclusively dedicated to defensive stuff. Like, they were really mm-hmm. working on how to guard pick-and-rolls and and um, how to fight through screens. And, I mean, it was um, very detail-oriented instruction it, it just isn't computing for some reason but like i i don't well, it's, it's yeah.
2: just that like thomas bryant for instance on those last two plays against yeah. wake forest like that wasn't a situation where he was doing the wrong thing right i mean on the first one to uh bryant crawford he probably tried to down the screen a little bit too far inside and didn't keep contained but it's more a question of lateral foot speed right. more than anything it's just not tenable for him to guard out in space right now.
0: And he's not an awkward big though. Like when I watched no, he's him not. work out, he's fluid. Yeah. yeah, like he really runs the court well and yeah. and like um you know, even like and I'm not trying to pretend he's a 6 foot 10 ball handler, but like Sure. You know, like for an 18 year old, six foot ten kid, like he he handled the ball well. He looked comfortable shooting. But you're exactly right. When they put him in those pick and rolls the other night, on yeah. on he looked awkward. He he's not an awkward big, but he looked like an awkward big in those moments.
2: Yeah, I mean, whenever you put a big guy like that in space, sometimes, and you have to remember too that Thomas Bryant is, I think, the youngest freshman in this class. That's like among the elite guys. So his body is still maturing in a way that someone like Ben Simmons might not be. So, uh, like, you put him in that situation, it might just be a situation he's not real comfortable with yet, and it might be a situation where he gets a little gangly and a little bit awkward uh, whenever he's trying to get down in a defensive stance because he's not really used to being out on the perimeter. So, it's explainable, but it doesn't really help Indiana this year.
0: Norlander, are you worried about Maryland at all? They are undefeated, so, like, that's fine, but they have... Um you know, I think everybody's like, ooh, Georgetown's pretty good. And I, I don't disagree. But Georgetown's also one and three with a home loss to Radford. And, and Maryland struggled with them at home, put them away, but struggled. They struggled with Ryder, couldn't put them away. Ends up being a seven point game. And then last night, uh, they were down five points with less than seven to play against Illinois State. Now, they ended up winning by double digits. They closed on like a 25 to 14 run, something. Um, but still, um, you know, they they haven't looked sharp. They're not shooting the ball well from the perimeter. I think they can shoot the ball from the perimeter well. Like, I think Robert Carter can make shots. The Suleiman can make shots. Melo can make a shot. But as a team, I think they're shooting like 30% from three. Are you concerned about them at all?
1: Maybe a little bit because I watched all of that Illinois State game. And Illinois State is a really good team. I actually think they have the capability to beat Wichita State in the Missouri Valley this season. And, it, and while Watch they might out. not build an, an at-large resume, I do think they're capable – of doing what they weren't able to do last year, and, and that program has actually it's gotten kind of close over the past decade in the uh, MVC tournament, but been able, unable to win it. I think that they can do that this year. So it wasn't like Illinois State's uh, a brutal team that, that Maryland was really struggling with. They're good, um, but not that that good. Maryland should be winning that game by a comfortable 11-point margin. That game was obviously not an 11-point game for most of it. It was just the final two minutes they pulled away. I will say, right now, Maryland doesn't look like a top-five team in the country. That is okay, by the way, just because we have these preseason rankings and we're forecasting what we think the teams will be, and they stumble out of the gate a little bit. You know, UNC doesn't have Page, and that's been a huge factor, obviously. Maryland... I wasn't necessarily expecting to come out with the tear on fire and just be this dominating team, averaging you know 22 point win margins. I, not necessarily. I think that they can grow into being a top five team, and I think that they will. They still are undefeated. They haven't been victim of any bad losses. The Georgetown game was just, I think, a special case of it being uh, tremendously hype, a lot of fun. I think it was Georgetown got up for that game after the the Radford you know embarrassment, if you want to call it that. But we'll see. Maryland has a game against Rhode Island uh, here on Wednesday night. They should win that game because Rhode Island obviously doesn't have EC Matthews for the entire year. But Rhode Island is not terrible even without EC Matthews. If they play the way they did against Illinois State, I think Maryland will lose to Rhode Island. I'm not expecting that to happen though. The interesting thing is the game against North Carolina, which comes up on Tuesday, December 1st. Um, We'll have a podcast before that game goes live, so maybe we'll get more into that specifically then. Would think Marcus Page is going to be back for that game. I think all the indications that he is on pace to be ready. And that'll be great just because you want to see both the teams fully healthy, as fully healthy as they can possibly be. Deion Wiley, obviously, out for the year for the Terrapins. Not too concerned yet. Almost want to see what they do over the next course of the next three games. Let's see if they can beat Rhode Island. They have a home game against Cleveland State. Obviously, that should be a win, and then let's see what they do against Carolina, because I think that will be a, a decent barometer of what they are. Because this is a team uh, that is not necessarily accustomed to being so targeted. They were, you know, on on the rise last year, but obviously, over you know the previous six seasons or so, um, it's just been you know an okay team, if not a, a downright average team in, in certain years. So I'm not overly concerned yet. But I will say we've got a lot of really interesting games on Wednesday. I would put that Maryland or Rhode Island in my top three most curious ones because I think people might be a little bit um, low on your eye just because they lost D.C. E. Matthews. They still have players on that team, and, and they're capable of winning that game.
0: Yeah, I, I would say this. Like It, it does say some, I think Maryland's good, and I think Maryland's going to be good. But it does say something about Maryland at this moment. That they're playing an unranked Rhode Island team on a neutral court. Rhode Island has lost its best player for the year. What's the the line?
1: Six. Ugh. Yeah. See, that's yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're they're only a six point
0: favorite over an unranked team that lost its best player on a neutral court. Like that that says something. That says something about you.
2: Well, I would say there too that a lot of the uh, Vegas sports books do run off of you know algorithms. Sure. Probably. Don't rate Maryland particularly highly. That's true. Um, like if you look at where they are in Ken Palm right now, I and mean, okay.
0: yeah, Ken Palm's got it as a two point game.
2: Yeah, so I uh, I would say that that doesn't really surprise me. And I'm again, I uh, I think I wrote about this maybe uh, after the Georgetown game. Uh, I I didn't expect Maryland to be a finished product right off the bat. I mean they're integrating three new pieces that are very, very important to their hopes, in Robert Carter, Diamondstone, and Rashid Suleiman, I mean, all three of them started last night. So uh, whenever Suleiman, you're integrated... Suleiman,
1: by the way, come on, give, give him, he's been really good for that team so far. Yeah, he has. He's been, he he really he's been has. vital. Um, and, you know, th- this is a guy that Sam was kind of pushing back on me to include in our top 101, but he's, I'm telling you, he's going to be critical to that team all season long. He has been even better and more important through the first four games than I would have even expected him to be.
0: In terms yeah. of other games yeah. tonight, I, like I think we all agree, Maryland, Rhode Island is interesting. Um, I, I think that Michigan, Connecticut is really good on on paper, and then also I think that I think this is great. Like the championship game in Maui is it's typically great, but like Kansas, Vanderbilt should be terrific, right? I mean, like Kansas is Vanderbilt can really score, and Kansas is really scoring. Um, I think those are probably two legitimate, like. Uh, you know, I know I have a Vanderbilt ranked 20 that's mostly based on where they were in the preseason, but like, I think those are two of the best 15 teams in the country right now.
1: Here's my quick thing on the Maui final, and I'll let Sam take it. I think people don't realize how much fun slash good Vanderbilt is in winning mm-hmm. over Kansas, which it can do, would be a big-time arrival moment for that team this season. So on paper, casual fans might be like, Kansas, Vandy, eh, that's, that's okay. No, Vanderbilt... That's a that's a real team, and if they win, that is a potentially just massive victory in the now and for down the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, I said back in like September that I thought Vanderbilt was going to be a top ten offense in the country this year. Uh, I've seen nothing to dissuade me from that. They've been ridiculous. I mean, they have three shooters basically at all times on the floor, uh, surrounded by Wade Baldwin and. Um, at the point guard, who's a pretty legitimate uh, potential first round pick in the NBA from what I've been told, and uh, Damian Jones in the middle, who's definitely a potential lottery pick in the NBA. So whenever you have that kind of talent, you can play with anybody. And whenever you have Kevin Stallings as your coach, you're going to have a terrific offense. Uh, So I'm really excited for that game. I think that's going to be a very close, very high scoring game.
0: Yeah, and like Kansas, for those of you who follow point spreads, um, they opened as a three-and-a-half point favorite. It already got bought down to two-and-a-half. So that is, in yep. Vegas' mind, even though Kansas is Kansas, and they just beat the absolute crap out of UCLA last night. Um, it's a one-possession game with Vanderbilt. That's what Vegas thinks mm-hmm. at least. Before we get out of here, I do want to touch on uh, an off-the-court issue that I, I think is interesting, if only because I, I think all of the uh, these issues are always interesting um, anytime they arise. It's David Collette at Utah State for people who – don't know the story, um, second leading returning scorer on the team, um, decided just a handful of days before the season started that he wanted to transfer out of the program, essentially quit the team, uh, was enrolled in school, but before the season started, uh, you know, told the coach that he's, he's done, he's not going to play at Utah State anymore, and he subsequently asked for a release as all transfers do. Um, the coaching staff at Utah State, I don't know that they've come out and said it, but they, they they certainly have implied they believe that he was tampered with. They don't like the way that went down, and they have, to this date, refused to grant him a release. Now, that doesn't mean he can't transfer somewhere else, but what it does mean, according to NCAA rules, is that he cannot accept financial aid. In other words, he'd have to be essentially a walk-on, pay for his own school wherever he went, as opposed to take um, a, a scholarship. He has, Colette... Uh, appealed this to a university board of some form and they're waiting on a ruling from that but either way if this all sounds familiar it's very much like the austin nichols situation at the university of memphis memphis initially uh declined to release him to uh, certain schools including virginia nichols fault that fought that u- ultimately memphis uh, uh i guess uh, bowed to the pressure and uh, released him to virginia now austin nichols is um at Virginia, sitting out the year so he can play next season. Uh, Norlander, just your general thoughts on another one of these
1: stories. My general thoughts are this. We wouldn't be talking about it if Utah State wasn't so stubborn. my, My stance on this will never change. Schools can never win. You will never win the public battle. No one knows who David Collette is in college basketball until Utah State decides to do this, and they get a bad look for it. All right? He's gonna get. He's gonna get his release eventually. It's gonna happen. Okay, it's inevitable. Because what'll happen is, you know, Jay Billis, who wields tons of power. Okay, not just on Twitter, but on TV. And you got commentators. I will talking about on TV. You'll have articles like Jeff Eisenberg, our buddy at Yahoo, really put a put a light on this uh, late last night, and now into Wednesday morning. Um, I understand that there are two sides to everything, and I totally get why Utah State has an issue here because there is undeniably. Undeniably, the massive cloud of tampering hanging over this. Okay, there's no doubt that the Utah State staff feels like that Colette was tampered with. Some other school wants them, Who knows who? You know what specific school that might be. Whether it's an in-state specific institution from say the Pac-12 or any other kind of school. With that said. <laughs> With that said, you cannot hold a kid back, especially cuz he's not freaking paid. Like you can't have these players. I know that it sucks. I know that it's brutal to lose one of your best players not even a week before the season starts. And then you feel like, you know, all this optimism you had coming into the season where Utah State certainly looked to have a big big bounce back year, okay? And from the inside, it's it's rough, but and I'm just telling you, you can never win. You can't restrict kids from transferring when they want to regardless of reason my 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 counter to the okay but you got to realize that you know tampering is wrong and you can't be doing it and we have to have some sort of recourse then call it out i'm sorry but call it out if you think it's happening okay and, and you feel that passionate about it and you're that convinced then take it public and embarrass the school and get the other school that that you think has done it in trouble. Okay. You just can't restrict a guy. So that's, that's basically always my approach on this. And the fact that we still have this, and this is kind of a weird different situation because you don't usually have it so close to the season. Okay. Usually you'll have these kind of situations happen where they get murky with nickels at Memphis. Okay. In the summer, that's inconvenient, but it's nothing compared to this when you literally lose a scholarship player less than a week before it starts. So that's my takeaway on it. Utah State will not win on this. He will have to be released eventually. Maybe they're ultimately stubborn and they just don't let him go until the end of the semester break. Maybe that happens, but it's still a bad look and will ultimately kill them on the recruiting trail as well. That's the other backfire here is that when you do this and, you, and it's so out there within the circles of, of comparative programs that would recruit at the level Utah State does, this is something that can absolutely hamper you down the road for the next one, two, three years on the recruiting trail. Sam, what, what do you make of it, Sam?
2: Yeah, seriously, that's a really good point, Matt. I mean, you look at Utah Valley under Mark Pope, uh, who just brought in a four-star recruit. That's the kind of kid that uh, you know could have been a candidate to go to Utah State, could have been a candidate really to go to a Pac-12 school. But uh, uh, that's a kind of a power that's there right now that could uh, go against Utah State at this point. Now, this is so stupid. Like, what are, what are you doing, Utah State? You know that you're not going to win this, and if you don't know that you're not going to win this – then you are hopeless and you should not have a job if you don't know that you're not going to win this. It doesn't make sense to me to hold this up. Uh, Can we also just talk real quick about Colette in this uh, Yahoo article that Jeff Eisenberg did a great job on? Uh, Colette's quotes are hilarious. Who does that? It's so childish. I compare Utah State to a bitter ex-girlfriend. I feel like I broke up with Utah State and now she's doing everything she can to get back at me. Uh, as, yeah. if a player is not happy, he should have the freedom to leave. What's so frustrating for me is I'm trying to find a place as soon as I can. And they're holding me back from that. Like he, he goes into detail on them changing the height of him in his like Utah state bio, the difference between six foot 10, 235 pounds down to six foot eight, 220 pounds. Like it's just childish stuff. Like what, like I said, what are you doing? Utah state? This is the kind of stuff that Teams are going to look at, they're going to use against you, and you're not going to come out on the good end of
1: this. Release him now. It,
2: this is dumb.
1: It tells you all you need to know because you don't usually see in these kind of cases. I mean, like GP did a lot of the Nichols reporting with Memphis, um, and and Austin doesn't didn't really talk with that. Uh, for Colette to just he is you know doesn't give enough. He's he's going after him, and and this is a to completely fractured relationship. And it's and it's almost like um when you read the quotes in in the in the story by Eisenberg, he has this uh this self deprecating um he's frustrated clearly, but he's almost like this is ridiculous like what are we even doing to get to this point yeah um and 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 that that of itself is 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 a big indication of the problem here and you know I know thanksgiving's coming and it kind of might get lost in the mix here, but if he's still if he's still on the not being given a release a week from now the the problem will only get bigger for Utah State. To me
0: this is such a simple situation like um, in terms of how the schools have to handle it, I, I don't think any of us would argue that, um, if we were on staff at Utah State, we would be frustrated at how this went down. We, we believe somebody sure. tampered, which means somebody certainly did tamper, and we don't feel like that's the right way to be in college basketball and blah, blah, blah. I get it. If I were on staff at um, Utah, I'd be pissed, all right? But yep. then once you get that out of the way, like, okay, we're all pissed. Okay, we all think this sucks. Okay, we all think this is messed up. Now, that, now let's put this over here. Now what? All right. We can't undo it. The kid ain't going to play for us. So now what? You can fight it, but you really, I, I mean, I guess on some level you hurt the kid, but you also hurt yourself and you could argue you hurt yourself more than you hurt the kid because it's terrible publicity for you. Nobody is taught. How about this? When's the last time we talked about Utah State on a podcast?
1: Exactly. Never. It's never yeah. happened. All right. Um, yeah,
0: so I like- wrote about
2: this like, um, like whenever it went down earlier right. this month, yeah. uh, I haven't really thought about it since. No, okay,
0: so like you. Okay. Utah State, the only way you're ever getting people on a national level to talk about you or think about you is like, go to the Sweet 16 or do something stupid off the court. Well, here you are, okay? So I get it, be pissed off. But first off, the kid ain't never playing for you again under any circumstances. You're never getting him back. So now to handle it this way, you're only hurting yourself, all right? So from a practical perspective, it's just short-sighted and stupid. Because this is always going to go uh, down one of two ways. You can fight it forever and never release the kid. And this will be your story forever. You mm-hmm. know, when, when people ask, when people, like if you do that word association thing, like Phil Martelli, right? Word association. You know what You, you know what pops into my head? Obviously, that unbelievable team he had with Jameer Nelson. Um, and then the second thing is like,
1: he he, was the the first, he wasn't the first one. He was the first major case in the modern social media era to have this really backfire on him. Phil, Phil
0: Martelli's been coaching for decades, has done unbelievable things. When you ask me about him, the two things that pop immediately into my head is the unbelievable team that was undefeated for so long and uh, him fighting a transfer. All right? So, like, if you fight it forever, that's always going to be connected to you in a way that's unflattering. So, so that's not good. The other thing is that you're going to ultimately relent in, at some point, anyway, and if that's yeah. the case, why endure the bad public relations if you're gonna get to the same spot anyway? That was because if you ultimately relent after initially declining, then you're just gonna look weak, like you bowed to the media pressure or to the kids' pressure, or in the Memphis case, um, you know Austin Nichols' lawyers' pressure. Like Memphis was like, "We're not gonna do this," and then um, and and the lawyer just starts firing off statements all over, and they go, "Okay, we're gonna do this." So like, you're either gonna fight it forever, at which point that's not good for you. Or you're going to ultimately relent anyway, which means like wh- why don't you ju- just relent right from the beginning and yeah. and you can actually turn it into a positive. Like I think I think the first coach to ever come out and say this could actually turn it into a positive. And, 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 and you guys are both right. Like how about just speak openly about it? How about just say this? You know what? Uh, we were relying on this kid. We've invested thousands and thousands of dollars in this kid in terms of scholarships and training and – uh, You know uh, all sorts of stuff, and to have this happen so like late in the calendar, and um, and to have it happen when we believe that you know other men in our profession tampered with this kid and and made this happen, that is frustrating, and we think it's wrong. And I will tell you, I may coach here for twenty years, or I might not coach. I might not last three, but I'll never do that. You'll never hear about me tampering with other people's players and trying to mess up another person's program or another person's career. We are, we're furious right now. That mm-hmm. said, we recognize that um, these are unpaid student athletes and we don't own them. And if 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 a young man reaches a point where he doesn't want to be with us anymore, um, we don't have to like it and we don't like it, um, but we're not going to fight him on it because we think that's just as wrong as what the other staff did here. God, like how how quickly would that, that
1: simple. How quickly
0: how quickly would that coach become the most popular coach in America among media members and like reason, most reasonable people? Like it would like, be real easy. We'd all be lining up the right like we'd be texting each other. Hey, I'm going to write this column. Hey, I'm going to write this, you know, like hey, I got this. Or so, like we'd be talking about it. You can take this bad situation turn it into a positive. Instead, you take this bad situation, make it worse. And yeah. it just it and, and so like that's just from strictly a practical perspective, it just doesn't make any sense for you to handle it the way Utah State is handling it.
2: And uh, for for what it's worth, I will throw this out there, too. They could be waiting until the end of the semester, like, to end to release him because he played in exhibition games, I believe. So, like, he's not going to be eligible uh, the way with the way that this works, like, until. That's uh, fine. But then you just well, say now, that
0: because instead, yeah, in, exactly. light, in light of saying that, you yep. end up taking the bad hits right now. Yep. It, like exactly. to come out in a in a week and say, we were always going to release him at the end of the semester, like, well, then, well, then, well, this was stupid because now you're just getting banged on by Jay Billis on Twitter. <laughs> like, what, why, right. like, that's dumb then. Then, then, then you mm-hmm. really handled this improperly. Um, the other, so from a practical perspective, I think we all agree it just doesn't do you any good. Here's the other thing, and this is for, on a very fundamental level, at least in my opinion, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Like, forget even okay. if it's not in your best interest or it is in your best interest, it's just wrong to restrict an unpaid student-athlete. Like, I saw somebody on Twitter, I you mean, know, it was Doug Gottlieb, our colleague at CBS, and he said, so, so media is okay with this kid breaking a contract? The kid didn't break a contract. There are no contracts. If we want to start talking about student-athletes and contracts, you know what happens when you get contracts? You get paid. You get paid. Right. I've got a contract. I get paid. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't, you, like, there is no contract. The kid didn't break a contract. He, 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 he decided he didn't want to, for whatever reason, play basketball at Utah State anymore. So like, it's just fundamentally wrong to restrict, to restrict unpaid student-athletes. Basically, any other student on a campus can decline a scholarship, which are, again, year-to-year scholarships, but can decline a scholarship uh, at one school and accept a scholarship at another school. In other words, I live um, in the South. If my son, when he gets in college, takes a scholarship from from Ole Miss, and then decides after two years he doesn't want to be at Ole Miss anymore, he'd rather take a scholarship that's been offered to him from Mississippi State, he can do that. Nobody cares. We, that if it's okay for every basically every other student in the world in this country at least, then it should be okay for student athletes as well. To restrict them is 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 wrong. Um, and as for the tampering thing, I get it, but I also got news for you. In life, tampering happens all the time it happens in the coaching profession too it ha- hey you, you know we're talking about mid a mid-major coach here if yeah. if he goes on and has three straight winning seasons goes to the NCAA tournament three times you may tell you what's oh, gonna yeah. happen he's gonna get a nut job at the high major level and you may tell you how it's gonna happen somebody's gonna tamper with him yeah, Ta- look at what's doubt.
2: happening like in college football right now with right? this massive now, carousel that's happening like how many times do you think someone has reached out to tom herman's people justin puente has
0: been locked up for virginia tech for three weeks is that tampering right. or is that just the way the world works? I also got news for you. At some point, Sam, I hope this never happens to you, but at some point you're going to lose a girlfriend or you're going to lose a boyfriend <laughs> and you're going to be uh, disappointed because you thought that everything was going well and you're probably going to find out that somebody tampered, right? Okay. And, <laughs> and and and, and that, that won't make it any easier, but it also won't be an, a reason to stand up and say, well... I think my girlfriend who decided she doesn't want to be with me anymore, or let's call it your wife, your wife, your wife asked for a divorce, and you find out she's been tampered with by the guy who works in the cubicle next to her. Like, would you go? I, I would divorce you and let you go and, and like, uh, grant you your single life, but I feel like old Jimmy uh, in the cubicle next to you at the office tampered with you, so I'm not going to divorce you now. Like, is that, like, that's not the way the world <laughs> yeah. works. It doesn't matter why somebody doesn't want to be with you anymore. If people reach the point where they don't want to be with you anymore, personally or professionally, unless they do actually have a contract professionally, they get to go. So, like, why is it so hard for folks to grasp? There are smart people out here who can't understand this very basic stuff.
1: That's a, that's a record for Utah State on the podcast, by the way. And, and, and
0: probably will it stand is. for a while. Unless, oh, yeah. unless... They keep this up, <laughs> then, we'll, That's right. then, then we'll do this again, which underlines my point. You can tell how strongly I feel about this issue. It's just crazy. It's just Listen, crazy. Let's, go.
1: let's 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 spend like the next twelve hours watching and writing about college basketball, and then let's have an awesome Thanksgiving. Hey,
0: your little boy's first Thanksgiving, Norlander.
1: I know, man. He did not. He did not chill next to me today. He was upstairs. Uh, I think his his agent, aka my wife, uh, says his contract has only one. One appearance per week. Hey, so. pr-
0: hey! make me one promise. Make me one promise. You don't, don't let that kid get anywhere close to some cranberry sauce. <laughs> that stuff is gross. Have you ever touched it? <laughs> Have you ever touched it?
1: Oh yeah. Yes. yeah. I think I think uh, everyone listening to the podcast should just send Parrish on Twitter gifts and jpegs of, of cranberry sauce Man, I can't please I, do that.
0: I can't even look at that please. stuff, man. I can't even look at that stuff. All right.
1: I'm going to I'm going to send a, I'm going to make a vine of me eating cranberry sauce, put it out there and send it right to you, GP.
0: Do we are we going to take off a Friday podcast because of Thanksgiving? Yeah.
1: I yes, you're traveling anyway. Yeah, I've got a flight Friday morning. I'm going to anyway. be out too. Yeah, so yeah, okay.
0: So like today is uh, Wednesday. We acknowledged it at the top it's November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving. So um, what we will do is I'm flying to New York this weekend and then I will be in New York on Monday. So we will after a uh, what should be a fun uh, next few days of college basketball, we'll reconvene on Monday morning and we'll chat about all this again.
1: That sounds yeah. good. Man. How about this? Your Fit- Turkey tomorrow, GP.
0: I'm not eating turkey. I would never, under any circumstances. Uh, fifty minutes. We went fifty minutes. I mean, we promised ourselves we wouldn't do more than thirty when we started, but then I, I started talking about uh transfer restrictions and 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 uh, cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce, and those are the two things that get me worked up the most. They really do, man. <laughs> really, if you want to get me fired uh, up, start talking to me about turkey, cranberry sauce, and transfer restrictions.
2: By the way, right, we're so- checking in right around fifty minutes.
1: I know. I know. Here we are. Here
0: we are. Never fails. All right. I got to go, okay? I'm going to watch Gonzaga in Washington.
1: All right, man. I'm uh, thankful for you guys. So. I'm thankful for you guys. Thank I'll see you later. You All right.
0: Remember, you can subscribe to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast over on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest episodes. Do that. And like I said, um, we will talk to you again on Monday. Uh, have a wonderful day. Uh,